interrupted by the presence of heaven. God of angel armies, you're the power inside me. You're the Prince of Peace in the mystery. God of angel armies, you're the power inside me. You're the voice of peace in anxiety. Still small voice Getting louder Like a lion How you roar with peace In the chaos Of the moment You're the still small voice Getting louder Like a lion How you roar with peace God of angel armies You're the power inside me You're the prince of peace In the mystery God of angel armies You're the power inside me You're the voice of peace In anxiety Voice 
into the cross. You capture life for us, keeping me in mind on that dream. Further on, the rising of the sun. Seasons change, but your love still remains. And I just wanna say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You are faithful, God, and you're always for me. And I just wanna say thank you, thank you, thank. You. Thank you. All my praise is yours. I give you glory. Faithful God, and you're always 
as your words become my truth. Oh, I'm holding on to you. And as your words become my peace, won't you come and reside in me? And I won't forget how far I've come. No, I won't neglect the promise you've given, and I will remember you're by me forever, my friend and my healer. The joy I've found in surrendering all my life to your call, surrendering all for your glory. I'm surrendering all. I know the joy of it all is Jesus. As your words become my truth. Oh, I'm holding on to you And as your words, they become my peace Won't you come reside in me Far I've come, no, I won't neglect the promise you've given, and I will remember you're by me forever, my friend and my healer. The door I've found in surrendering all my life to your call, surrendering all for your glory. I'm surrendering all I know the joy of it all Is Jesus Oh, I'm surrendering all My life to your call Surrendering all for your glory I'm surrendering all I know the joy of it all Is Jesus Say
Hey everybody, welcome to church. We got about five minutes before the service starts, so here are some church appropriate dance moves you can do whenever the spirit moves you. So get on up and let's sweat to some scriptures. Or maybe not, or just, just let's go. Here we go. One, two, three, four. Shirts on the face. See it on the face. Yeah. Bring it together. Here we go. Let it go. You take the stone. You let it go. You're unhindered by armor. Let that elbow sway. Elbow. 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 Okay. One of my personal favorites. Resurrection. Gotta get down to get back. Yeah. Keep working, it, guys. Keep working. You're doing great. I'm doing great. I'm getting a little tired. Crush it. Crush it. Get crushed it. Crush it. We gotta stomp hard. Stomp hard. Stomp hard. You're crushing it. Crushing it. Crushing it. This is not me. Coming at the end. We'll 
do. Soda teeth. Here we go. Soda. Make sure you hit that. Fertile ground. Stay away from that. Watch your back. No, God's got a point. Watch your back. No, God's got a point. I don't know how much more I can do this. You're gonna have to take it for me. On the last push, literally. Thank you for joining us for Her Story tonight. We are so glad that you are here. It's been a pretty special time of online Her Stories, and it's just very unique to be on this side of the camera and not have you in the room with us. We miss you, and we hope that you are well. Tonight, we will hear from Lucretia Hughes. She's going to tell of her vision that uh, began 23 years ago with Bibleville to reach children in the core of our city here. She will also tell us of her personal journey of grief. I want to tell you her story's purpose, just so that you know of why we continue to do what we're doing. Number one, we are here because we want to encourage you with a story of what God is still doing in our lives and what he has done faithfully. Number two, we want to inform you of what's been going on for Bibleville, for our shift program, and for our C23 youth um, to keep you up to date and let you know, thirdly, of how you can be involved in that. So just like every other ministry and churches at this time, there are so many changes, so many challenges because of COVID. And so we've had to change how we operate and how we reach people. Our old ways are not working the same. It's all been disrupted, and I'm sure many of you can relate to that. So we've been trying alternative things with our kids and our youth. Things with technology, which has been very challenging, the technology piece. There's been accessibility and consistency problems with technology. But there have been some excellent connections that have been made through this way of uh, talking with kids one-on-one -on -one and hearing what they're going through at home, being able to pray with some of the youth um, there's been some really encouraging stories there. And we're going to try to tell some of those and show you some of the connections that were made. So I'm, we're going to show you some pictures of uh, through the fence, social distanced visits at homes. And we're going to show you some of the mail outs that have been sent to Bibleville children. I hope that we can continue to ask for prayer in this time and season for our kids and for our youth. Um, it is probably the most important thing that we can do at this point. Enjoy this story from Lucretia Hughes. So I thank you for inviting me to share my story. 
And tonight, I'm today I'm going to share a little bit about uh, Bibleville and the beginnings and how we got started and also a little bit about grief and some of the things that have happened in my life that I've learned about grief. And one of the things that I've done is I have hidden scripture in my heart. And that's from memorizing scripture. And there's a couple of scriptures that I that go through my whole story. And another one I was reminded of a few minutes ago. And one is that God gives us a peace that passes all understanding. And the other one, these other two scriptures I'm going to mention, I carried had one in my car for over 20 years on my dashboard. And that was, my God supplies all my needs. And the other one I have on my stove today, and it's been there for many years. And it's to delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So I'd like to start with a quick prayer and then share my story. Lord Jesus, I just ask you to be here as I share my story today. And that it would touch someone or many someones that can relate to my story and bring healing in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. So first I'll start with Bibleville. Started many years ago in 1997, uh, 23 years ago as a matter of fact. And um, it was begun by my pastor and myself with really only four children. Interesting, bringing a tear to my eye already. Um, there was such a, a need in the community for uh, more than just provision of food. And uh, we ministered to hundreds of children and today also through Bibleville, through all the different programs from age 6 to age 18. And Club to, C23 is one of the names, and I always think of, of, um, of Pastor Kylie because it's from Psalm 23 that that was named uh, uh, C23. About 90% of the children do come from non-church backgrounds or from inner from the inner city and the west side of Saskatoon. Transportation and food, of course, are provided for the children and also an attempt to help teach children some of the work ethics that we all need to learn as we get through our journey of life. So I had an interest in Bibleville and wanting to work with children. And the reason is I, I did come from a non-Christian home and although we had really good morals and beliefs, we didn't know Jesus personally. And there were many cracks in our relationships with each other, dealing with anger and abuse that some came from past experiences that my mom and dad had had. And I lived through my young years watching my dad try to run over my mom with a car. And I was the one who stood in front of the car to protect her. Uh, my mom sleeping with a knife under her pillow because of fear. And I witnessed my mom trying to commit suicide. And in my teenage years, I think about it, my, I used to think about that myself because uh, that's just how life was for me back then. And um, in the later years, 15 on, I was the one to be the family counselor to try to help my mom and dad be more reasonable with each other. And it's no wonder that later in life, my husband and I became very involved in marriage ministry and in counseling. When I was 17, they divorced, and my mom became a Christian a few years later. 
and my dad a few years before his death at age 62. Age 62 has some very remarkable things for me. My husband died at 62, my dad died at 62, at least four people, and I was glad when I reached that age and passed it. <laughs> but children don't come through situations like this untouched. And as you can see, I have tears this many years later thinking about it. There was lots of healing all five of us children needed. And I'm the oldest, by the way. I will talk more about my healing and my journey at the end of my story today. So Bibleville was set up to teach children that Jesus loves them, to help teach children the value of teamwork and how to be kind and how to be respectful, and also just to have a safe environment for children to learn and to have fun. And, you know, I can't not say, I need to say, that there's a place for each and every one of you listening today. The ministry isn't just about who started it or who participates now, but we do need praying partners. We need people who will pray for us, pray for the Bibleville children, that is, and for the leaders. We also need people paying partners. That means that we need people who will financially support Bibleville so that it can continue. And then, of course, we need participating partners. And that means there's teachers, supervisors, drivers, cooks, lots of people that are needed to help continue to make, help Bibleville become what it is today and even more. And I was there for the planning of Winning Women, which is now called Her Story and what you're listening to today. And it was around 2003, and thanks to... Leah Beitler for start taking this on and it's really involved to be a big part of Bibleville and why it can continue to be such a great program. And I met Pastor Dallas and Leah for the first time the Sunday they returned from their honeymoon. So that's a little while ago. <laughs> and uh, it just happened to also be my first Sunday at the Rock Church. Without the support of people like all of you volunteering and giving of some of your hard-earned money, this ministry really couldn't have continued and for sure would not be happening today. Right now we're in the middle of COVID-19 and we can't meet, but you can do e-transfers, checks, whatever works. And maybe you might even want to consider donating the cost of your supper just, just like we did before pre-COVID. So I'm going to tell you a couple of fun stories that might help you understand why I have such a heart and why the people helping with Bibleville have such a heart for Bibleville. And this ministry definitely touches everyone at the heart, at your heartstrings. So during those early years, I participated in pretty well every aspect of camp, except I never did do be, I never was a dorm leader. Uh, like from crafts to kitchen cleanup, counseling, music, you name it. And at the church, I helped with the table ministry, drove kids home if they didn't participate with what was expected. And one incident in particular I want to tell you about, uh, a child ran away on me, and I spent quite a bit of time in the church parking lot just outside of the church uh, chasing him and trying to get him in my car. He, of course, could have gotten away from me, but 
he didn't really, he did want to return to Bibleville, and he knew that wasn't a good thing to dodge me and not come with me. He kicked, he screamed, and, you know, he threw some pretty bad words at me. But once he knew that he was going home, he changed on a dime. <laughs> and uh, nice as pie, trying to convince me of all the reasons why he should be able to come back to Bioville. He had learned at a very early age that manipulation does work sometimes. <laughs> and, but the interesting thing in the heart part of this is that after that, I was his favorite person. He always wanted to sit with me at church, after church, at lunch, you name it. And I live in Martinsville, and he later moved there, and the first thing he did is come up and wave and say, Hi, Mrs. Hughes. <laughs> so I say to you that my God does meet all of my needs, and even though that was a really hard time, uh, you know, you don't want to be chasing anybody and trying to catch them, but it does give you a good feeling inside that your God is there, and you know he's there. And I, so I have two stories to tell you. My second one is Vern's fun. It has some interesting drama, and praise God, no one was hurt. In the early days, there was lots of things that we probably should have had in place, but didn't, but they're now in place. So this is his story. So my husband's gift wasn't working with unruly children. He never could handle that very well. But one Sunday, the staff were wanting to go uh, do some cleanup at camp, so I volunteered to supervise and drive the kids home. I stayed back to make sure that all was in order, and Vern drove the van. Who was who? And then on two separate sets of kids got out of the van and got into a physical fight on the driveway. Then he learned that one of them held on to the bumper of the van while he was driving down Confederation Drive doing about 40 kilometers an hour. Now all the kids in the van knew this and they never told. Well needless to say he didn't ever drive the van again. He wasn't comfortable with that and I don't blame him, but praise God, no one was hurt, and the highlight of this story is yet to come. This child couldn't ride the bus for two or three weeks. I forget just how long that was, but the next Sunday morning, guess who shows up? He had walked an hour in really quite a cold, windy day, and there he was coming to church. And it all just reminded me again that God's really the one in charge. And church was important enough for him to actually walk. And it did bring tears to my eyes. So, as I mentioned, I've got two parts to my story. And at my age, I could give you ten parts, but today it's only two. And uh, so I've talked a little bit about Bible beginnings. And my second part is about loss and grief and perhaps suggestions on how all of us can help a grieving person. As you know from Scripture, it's only after you've gone through an experience that you can be the best help, and you are the best help. So I lost my husband of 40 years, 12 years ago. And the part, I, I, like I mentioned, I'm going to share with you is about grief and how you can help. 
I'm sad to say that in our generation, people really don't know what to do with us. In the, in the years gone by, often uh, parents live with their children, and so parents would have to learn how to deal with someone who had died, and also they'd have to help their children learn what, how to deal with someone who had passed away. And so it, it was very different way back compared to what it is in the generation that we live in today. So Vern was my childhood sweetheart. We started dating when I was only 15. We got married at 18. And I actually never, ever dated anyone else. Um, I was one of the fortunate ones to get married young, be naive, and yet have a strong, lasting marriage. Two years later, our son Toby was born, and three years after that, Lori. Uh, Toby lives in Arizona, is an engineer, and Lori lives in Saskatoon and is a social worker. And I have the privilege of going in the winter to spend in Arizona. Uh, as I mentioned, Lori does live in Saskatoon, and I have uh, four grandchildren aging from 33 to 11, and unfortunately my granddaughter lost her baby a few months back at five months, and so I'd be a great grandma too. Some of the healing that I needed from my childhood trauma came from having a very loving, understanding, compassionate husband. Having people in your life that can take you as you are with all your flaws is important and a very valuable part of what Bibleville is today. These young people will test you beyond your normal limits for sure. <laughs> they will take your patience and test it to the max. Hurting people do that, you know. And, of course, <clears throat> my relationship with Jesus was my foundation for healing. And it really does help to have another human being that can be there for you also. Vern was not a Christian. I accepted Jesus when I was only 23. And that's another interesting story, but we're sticking to script today. <laughs> I was baptized in the Spirit two years later, and Vern became a Christian six years later. And I praise God that even though he wasn't a Christian in the beginning of our marriage, he was always very good to me and our children. And you know, you can be a really good person and not be a Christian, you know. <laughs> but as a Christian, you gain a bigger insight into forgiveness, um, grace, there's an inner peace that no one else but Jesus can give, that peace that passes all understanding. Uh, I was working at the church when his illness started. First he had like heart issues, stints, etc., then cancer of the kidney. And he was given three weeks to live, and the doctor said surgery was not possible because he was in stage four, and that would mean that it had spread. Uh, Vern was an elder at this church, the Rock Church, and they decided, or the people in charge decided, that they would dedicate a full Sunday service to pray for Vern. And a miracle really did happen from that, that hour of prayer. Monday, I phoned the doctor with much insistence <laughs> to get through, because as you know, you don't get through just because you want to. I begged for an appointment at which I was very insistent at getting, 
And I found out later, and the doctor did decide that he would try surgery. And I found out later that the doctor's wife had cancer at the time. Divine intervention to have that doctor and not another. Vern did live three years and did die at age 62. His last year, he golfed three, 30 times. He finished our backyard, and I needed those three years to prepare me. Grief is an interesting journey. Notice I did say journey because you don't ever really get through it. Or you do go through it, but it's a journey that doesn't end. I have, I've learned so much, and I want to help others in that journey. And that scripture that's hidden in my heart is, when you go through a tough time, it's to help you to help someone else. I did join Gloria Chisholm Barrett at the Neighborhood Church in Saskatoon to teach a grief share class. And we have been teaching it every Monday until, of course, wonderful COVID hit. Because there are tools to help you not get stuck in grief. And I'm going to share part of my pain as I dealt with it to maybe give someone, even myself, another jolt at how and why we can help people through, through grief and that perhaps we're not always doing it the way, you know, that we think is best. Well, journaling is one of the ways that can be a very great tool. And what it really means is you just write down your thoughts and your, how you're feeling, and you, you address it to the person that you've lost. So this is, how, this is the one I chose to share with you tonight. September 30th, 2008, life for me as I knew it ended. The man that I had dated for 15, since I was 15, and the man I married for 40 years took his last breath on earth while I lay on his shoulder. It's like God gives you an anesthetic and only allows heart issues to become real, just in the doses that you sometimes can take it, but only for a moment at times. Imagine thinking, maybe I shouldn't clean that, clean that drawer of Vern's clothes out, or maybe he'll come back and need them. No, I know better, but it's, the thought is still there. Never in my wildest imagination would I have guessed I would feel this way. After all, everyone is very quick, or most people, not everyone, but lots of people are very quick to remind you that you had three years to get ready. Now really think about that. Do you think putting in 16 hours a day just to survive between Vern's care, keeping all the schedules as a nurse, home care, counselors, and working my job from home that I really had time to prepare or even thought about anything but survival. And sometimes it would take up all my energy, even some I didn't have. I share this pain to, to you to share with you some of the things that can help all of us. I did go to church regularly. I did all the things that I was supposed to do. But inside, a whole nother world was happening. So here's some things that perhaps you might want. To, I'd like, at least I'd like to share with you 
that helped me. And because I teach the grief share class, I realize I'm not alone. This is a very common thing that I'm going to share with you. So pray for that person silently. And yes, with their permission, pray out loud. You do not know where they're at at that moment. It's not that they don't want prayer, but there's certain words that are very big triggers when you're very tender at that time. Don't judge anything that they say or do. Be careful what you say, actually, because they're grieving and hurting inside and very tender to words that you think might be really encouraging, but to the grieving person, they interpret it so very different at that time. I had things said to me by very well-meaning friends, and you know what? They, their intention was so good, but they hurt deeply. And I'm learning from teaching grief classes, of course, that this, some of these things are very, very normal reactions to grief. It's not everyone is different, but there's some, some a, a phrase I want to teach you today that can change everything for you if you choose. Now, the other thing for me was I couldn't read my Bible. Some people find they read their Bible lots, and some people can't pray or read their Bible, and I was one of those. But I had hidden scripture in my heart by memorizing, and so when I needed comfort, those scriptures always came to me. It's not that I didn't love the scripture. So here's a, just a couple examples that seem so innocent, but they're not to the grieving person. It's best that he's gone. He was so sick. Well, excuse me, it might be best for him, but it sure isn't for me. <laughs> I, another one, he's in heaven. Now, like all is good, why are you so upset? Well, sorry, I got left behind. <laughs> and at that time, that's exactly how I felt. I didn't want to be left behind. I wanted to die too. Now, <clears throat> a, third, a third thing that sometimes is said innocently, but not innocent to the person grieving uh, now you can get on with your life. Yes, really? He's the only one. I, he's the only life I knew. The one I had breakfast with. The one I told all those unimportant little things that no one else would care about. It's not, and we were best friends. Uh, it's not that easy to just get on with your life. And number four, I wrote down just thinking there's lots more, but there must be something wrong with you if you can't read your Bible. And... It's a well-meaning thing, but there isn't anything wrong with you. You're grieving. There's a time to, to grieve, and there's a time to dance, is what the Bible says. I remember a dear friend telling me, I thought it was only like 35 years ago, but I guess it's getting on to be 50 years ago. Uh, she said, you know, my church won't let me grieve. At the time when she told me that, I didn't understand, but I sure remembered it when I went through it. And she said, what would happen is every time that she would mention her husband's name, someone would come up, would say to her, but he's in a better place. How can you be so sad? And again, there's a time to grieve and there's a time to dance. And sorry, that's not the time you want to dance. Um, I can honestly say that no one from this church said those words to me. <clears throat> there's some words that, I hope you'll take home with you or that you'll take and, 
and take to your heart because it's the best thing you can say to a grieving person or someone who's lost someone. And grief isn't always losing your husband. Sometimes it's a divorce. It's really any kind of loss. It can be losing a body part, uh, like I did when I had breast cancer. When you go from being a couple to being single, people unintentionally treat you different. So here's the words that I've learned, and they just fit all the time. And it's, I'm sorry that you have to go through this. Because behind those words of, I'm sorry you have to go through this, it is such simple words, but behind them there's no opinions, there's no uh, judgments. And you know, you might be absolutely correct in your opinion, but that person may not be ready to receive it because their heart is so hurt, is so tender, and the compassion and words that you can say are, I'm really sorry you have to go through this. And it works every time. I've used them for years now, uh, even on third party, and it just works. <laughs> so I'm going to share another of my day's journal to share what's on my mind uh, when you're grieving. This, this was written to my dear Vern. It's two months since you left. Never in my wildest dreams would I have ever thought being alone would be like this. I guess I never really thought about it, even when you were sick. And I definitely never thought about the fact that one of us was going to be gone before the other, and one of us was always going to be alone. I was busy looking after you, the house, my business, and just making sure you were okay, and I never let myself think about life without you. Who had energy to think about anything but survival of every day? Today I, did, today I redid our budget, and should I say my budget, for 2009, because you're no longer in it. No bill for medications, your van, your phone, your insurances, all those things that are, were a part of our life. It feels very weird, and you know it feels very sad that things have to be this way. Tonight I sit looking at my mom very sick. How unfair. Besides my kids and grandchildren, you, Vern, and my mom are the most important people in my life. It seems like life is being sucked out of her right now. I feel a numbness around me that can't be described in words. I can't hide it. I can hide it well from outsiders and people who see me, but it's still there. I guess it's God protecting me from so much hurt. This is a very overwhelming time for me. Most days I don't even know how I feel. I, I exist. That's about it. I really didn't choose to be in this space now in my life, especially you're not here for me to talk to. We're supposed to be able to retire together, travel, and you not to have to work so hard. Instead, here I am, left alone. I feel so very tired these days. Well, my mom passed away 11 months after Vernon, and I only got there in time to say goodbye to another dead body. I went into a tailspin that lasted a long time. And it wasn't until I started being part of teaching Grief Share 
probably that I really dealt with the pain that had come through losing two people in such a short while. Uh, grief, share classes, and my love of scriptures that I had hidden in my heart were very comforting to me as I and helped me through that journey of getting through grief and, and the, just the journey of grief. It is only in the past few years that I truly began to look after, look at, look at some of the passions that I had that I had left behind when Verd died. One, I had just put everything on hold, and one of my loves is music, playing the guitar, singing, and I didn't even touch my guitar all those years. Most people have not learned how to grieve and, and, and often don't grieve for many years, and that's one of the things that I've learned from being a part of grief class is that I have people who are grieving 35, 40 years and just never dealt with a death. And so because of that, often you put your life on hold and don't do the fun things that you should do and the things that have compassion for you. So it does affect you if you don't deal with it. And you know, in general, people are afraid to let you feel sadness and they really don't know what to do with us. I tell you now that I love life more than ever, and I even actually have my own band. And until COVID struck, we were performing really quite often, and it is the love of my life, and I absolutely love being part of the music again. So in conclusion, many of the Bibleville kids are also grieving. They've been separated from their parents for many different reasons that, you know, we could write a book on. But you know what? This does happen to our children in this day and age, and children are left without parents. And every child, of course, deserves to have a parent. You can be their comfort. You can be that person that stands in the gap to share Jesus' love to them. Her story can be a very big part of the support that children need. And prayer, of course, finding your place to help out at programs, and of course, financially. So I would like to end in prayer, and I thank you for listening to my story about Bibleville beginnings, and also sharing my part on grief, and how that we all can become better at helping the grieving person. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for this time to share my story, and I pray that it will touch someone who will help someone to be um, someone that can help that grieving person. And if you happen to be the person grieving, that you realize that there are ways that you can get through this and get on to have a good life. And I thank you, Lord, that I do love my life. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank Lucretia for sharing her story, for being so vulnerable. I say to you in the words that Lucretia shared with us, ways to comfort each other in times of grief, I'm sorry that you have had to go through this. There's been much loss of social connection, loss of jobs, loss of income, and so many other losses. We can comfort one another just by listening. We can comfort one another by praying. So we invite you to join us at the Rock Church and continue praying, continue 
partnering with us. If you would consider giving your ticket price to her story, that would help us to continue the work that we do here at The Rock. There is a give button on your screen that you can click and it would be greatly appreciated. Until I see you again via this camera next month, we love you. Take care and God bless.
love is taking over me, over me Broke me from my chains and set me free Mercy came and died for me, died for me Now I stand in grace and have been redeemed You're breathing into life in me, life in me Taking all my shame and my fears released You're the only one for me, one for me Your victory's alive and it reigns in me The cross has won All my shame and my fears released You're the only one for me, one for me Your victory's alive and it reigns in me The cross has won, death overcome We are free In Jesus' name we stand and we say Stand and we say we are